Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Comerica Park in Detroit. It's the Detroit Tigers 4, the Cleveland Guardians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And I would love to start with the game on the field, but to talk about the game on the field, we actually have to talk about the off-field news first because the Guardians made a ton of moves yesterday. Now, the simple moves are that Savali and Reyes go to the IL. Savali's still dealing with that hip thing, that glute thing. Um, so he's going to take a little time for that to get right. Reyes is dealing with the hamstring thing. Frankly, both of them could use a vacation, right? Both of them could use a little bit of break. They were probably pressing pretty hard, playing through injury, probably causing them to try to press a little more. I mean, Savali, it just happened in his last start. Reyes, it seems like he's been dealing with this for a while. We've seen him kind of limp around first base, uh, you know, when he leaves the batter's box. Um, He's probably been dealing with this for a while. They both, frankly, need a break. They need to get right. They need a time to, you know, get their heads straight, work on their mechanics, come back, and uh, come back with a new approach. So they go to the IL. Um... Then uh, Connor Pilkington comes up and makes the start in Savali's place. But the surprise is Oscar Gonzalez comes up. Now you get a little more roster flexibility without Fermil Reyes in the DH spot every day. So Ramirez actually DHs in this game. And it allows Oscar Gonzalez to get his first ever Major League start in right field to make room on the 40-man roster. Unfortunately, they have to DFA Yu Chang. I know if you listen to this show, you know how big of a fan I was of Yu Chang. I was pulling for him. I was really pulling for him to kind of lock in as the utility guy for this team. He could play a bunch of different positions around the infield. It just didn't. He only got 10 at-bats this season. That's it. 10. He struck out seven times in 10 at-bats. He couldn't find a hit in 10 at-bats. I don't know what to make of that. Now, he has had over 300 at-bats in the organization, so it's not like it's a ridiculously small sample size. Daniel Johnson, who just got traded to the Mets for cash, had a much smaller sample size in the majors, right? He got much less of an opportunity than Chang got. Chang did get 330-some at-bats. So there is a little bit of a track record to go on there, at least for the organization, to make a decision on him. Now, who knows? Maybe he ends up in a Bobby Bradley situation where he clears waivers and they can send him out right to AAA and they can keep him in the organization. But they had to make room. Uh, yeah, it sucks. It sucks that Chang doesn't, didn't get more of a chance this season. It also sucks that he didn't hit his way into a chance. Uh, that he didn't force their hand by coming out to start the season smoking hot. So um, it's a tough situation. It always is going to be with the 40-man roster and with so many middle infielders coming up. Like, uh, you know, I, these guys are already... Owen Millers and, and Andres Jimenez are young guys that you already think are in the way of the Gabriel Arises and the Tyler Freemans coming up behind them. So where's a Yu Cheng fit into that? There's just so many middle infielders coming up. So he's the unfortunate one who gets DFA'd. It creates room for Oscar Gonzalez to make his Major League debut. And friends and family in the Dominican were, uh, you know, glued to their TVs for the debut. Everybody was cheering for this guy. Everybody, I think, in Guardians land was rooting for this guy to come up and have a nice debut. And he did. And he did. He got to show off, as Mandy Bell put it in her article, all five tools were on display. 
um, he did. He had a great debut, and that that definitely has to be the lead storyline in this game. Not only did this guy go two for four in his debut, not only did he make a running catch in the right field corner with the bases loaded in the first inning to get us out of a jam, not only did he make a couple of good throws, not only did he show off his speed out of the batter's box, surprising speed for a big guy. Six, uh, let's see what they've got him listed here. I believe it's 6'4", 240 pounds is what they have him listed, the 24-year-old. That's a big guy moving down the line. He has three hard-hit balls on the night. Three of the top four hard-hit balls in the game get credited to Oscar Gonzalez. Jose Ramirez also had a hard-hit ball in this game. In fact, the Guardians had all the hard-hit balls in this game. And not only is it the hardest hard-hit ball of the game, it's the hardest ball hit of the season by a Guardians hitter. 113.1 miles per hour. That was his single in the second inning, his major league debut hit, a single up the middle at 113.1 miles per hour. So what a showing from Oscar Gonzalez. And he almost gave us a chance to take the lead in the ninth inning. He gets a hustle double off of Soto. Frankly, I got to admit, he would even admit this. He was just trying to protect because Soto was firing those fastballs at him. He had already blown him away. Uh, with one on that outside edge. And I got to admit, I I got to imagine he was just trying to protect. He had seen four forcing fastballs out there in a row. He had also seen some sinkers out there that frankly missed wildly. Um, So he goes with the four-seamer. Every pitch he saw was at least 97 plus miles per hour. And uh, finally gets one up a little bit. Uh, He had swung through two of them. He had laid off one that was way away, and he gets one a little bit closer to the outside edge, and he's able to get a barrel on it, 106.8 miles per hour, shoots it down the right field line, right over first base. Honestly, it was a protect swing on a uh, on a 3-2 count. It was a protect the strike zone swing, and he's able to keep it in play. And so he gets his first extra base hit. He has to hustle for it, but he gets his first extra base hit. So a huge night from Oscar Gonzalez is definitely the top storyline. Looking at his numbers in the minor leagues, um, he he isn't the big power strikeout guy that that some of these guys are coming up. Uh, Usually when you see all the home runs, you think, oh, maybe he's a big strikeout guy too, like a Bobby Bradley. That's not the situation here. He's not necessarily a huge strikeout guy. What he isn't is a big walk guy. And Francona knows it. Francona said it in the pregame. He's like, look, this guy's not going to walk. He's also not going to strike out that much. He's going to put the barrel on the ball. He's going to hit it hard wherever he hits it. That may not always lead to success. It may. You know, it's going to be a little bit of boom and bust from this guy. But the boom is definitely going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so it's a little bit interesting because it seems like taking walks has definitely been part of the organizational approach to hitting, being patient, working to count, making contact. Well, he's definitely got the contact side down, and it's going to be hard contact, uh, but definitely not going to get a lot of walks out of this guy. So the on-base percentage, it's all going to be hitting. It's all up to hitting. It's all going to be up to bat bip, really, right? Batting average balls in play. What's going to happen when he puts that barrel on the ball? So that's some of the things... 
you're going to get with Oscar Gonzalez. They talked about his energy being infectious, you know, his passion for the game. He said his favorite moment of the game was when they yelled play ball. I mean, that's great. That's a great quote. Come on. So, yeah, so Gonzalez makes his debut. Unfortunately, it doesn't lead to a Guardians win. Uh, unfortunately, the Tigers are able to walk it off in the ninth inning. Miguel Cabrera and Jonathan Scope combine uh, Scope with a double into the gap, and then Cabrera with a single up the middle walks it off against Trevor Steffen in the ninth inning. It's tough sledding for the Guardians. Frankly, both teams had opportunities to score more runs in this game and couldn't come through with the giant break-the-game-open kind of hit. Guardians go 1-for-5 with runners in scoring position. The Tigers actually go 4-for-8, which is interesting, because I actually remember a couple times where that third-base coach had to hold a runner up, right? And they end up loading the bases, uh, and then can't come up with the big hit. So maybe they get the hit with a runner at second. It still counts as a hit with runner in scoring position. They just can't score the run. So uh, the Guardians pitching definitely walked. Pilkington walked a tightrope in this one. He was in a lot of trouble, uh, but he's able to work his way through it. Three and a third innings pitch. That's it. He gives up seven hits, four walks, but only three runs. Uh, Four strikeouts, 87 pitches. He's only hard hit five times. De Los Santos comes in and definitely saves the day in that fourth inning. With the bases loaded, he gets a strikeout, and then he gets a pop-up to get out of that jam. So he saves Pilkington's butt from having a much worse line there in the box score. Pilkington, frankly, just wasn't throwing enough strikes. Um, He's only a little bit over 50% strike rate on the day. On uh, 87 pitches, it's 49 strikes. That just isn't good enough. It just wasn't competitive enough. He did get a decent amount of swing and miss. Um, A 57% whiff rate on his changeup. He only threw the slider curve a couple of times, but he got some whiffs on those. It's a 33% whiff rate total on the day, but it's only a 25% CSW. Now, the guy up opposite him, Scooble, actually had less swing and miss. He only had 11 whiffs, only a 22% whiff rate, but he was pounding the strike zone and getting a lot of called strikes, especially with that slider. Um, 10 called strikes on the slider. So it's a 33% CSW for Scooble on the other side. So uh, Pilkington was getting a little more swing and miss. Scooble was getting a lot more called strikes to boost those CSW numbers. So yeah, so Pilkington survives to only give up three runs. Like we said, bases loaded in the first, gets out of it. Bases loaded in the th- in the fourth. Uh, De Los Santos is able to come in and get out of it. So Pilkington really walked a tightrope in this one. He's definitely going to want to try to throw a few more strikes uh, to try to improve that, to try to go deeper into the game. Uh, It's an okay start from Pilkington. For a young guy, it's an okay start. It could have been a lot worse. But the bullpen is able to come in and really shut things down. De Los Santos is fantastic in an inning and two-thirds. No hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Doesn't give up a single hard-hit ball. And then Eli Morgan comes in after that. Three innings pitched, no hits, no runs, no walks, and three strikeouts. That is how a piggyback situation is supposed to work. You get De Los Santos as the bridge guy. Pilkington survives the first few innings, the first time and a half or through the lineup. And then Eli Morgan comes in and just shuts things down in the 5th, 6th, and 7th innings. I'm sorry, the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings. Just shuts things down. 
That's how a piggyback situation is supposed to work. Uh, remember earlier in the season, they tried it with like Logan Allen and he just gets destroyed. Like it just, it wasn't the right situation. Like they had him in in the eighth and ninth innings of a, of a close game and he was just getting beat up. Eli Morgan here is just dominant. You felt like Eli Morgan could have kept going. Eli Morgan is definitely going to need to be back in the starting rotation at some point. Just like Cal Quantrill was moved back into the starting rotation, Eli Morgan has to find a way back into the starting rotation at some point. He's just too, he's just been too good this season. He's been really, really effective. And that changeup was filthy. Filthy. He got some strikeouts on that changeup. Um, going back to the illustrator here, uh, he absolutely, he only threw it a few times. But he was able to get some strikeouts on that changeup. He got Spencer Torkelson one on one that I swear moved all the way across the strike zone on a 3-2 count in the seventh inning. A beautiful strikeout there. He actually got one on a four-seam fastball that he blew past Candelario. And he went up high against Derek Hill with a four-seam fastball as well for his three strikeouts. So only one strikeout on the changeup. But I thought that changeup was particularly nasty. It was moving particularly well in this game. Uh, let's see if the spin. No, the spin was actually down on it from his yearly average. So, yeah, uh, he gets uh, one swing and miss on it, and he gets three called strikes on that changeup. So it's a 57% CSW on the changeup for Eli Morgan. They did not even foul one off or put one in play. So it's great stuff from Eli Morgan using that changeup sparingly, only threw it seven times in 35 pitches, but really effective. All right, some other things offensively for the Guardians uh, besides uh, Oscar Gonzalez's great game. They do put across three runs and tie the game up in the third innings. It's really nice to see them come up with that nice rally there. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because... Owen Miller ends up with the big RBI hit. So Oscar Mercado singles. Luke Maley, of course, doubles into the left field corner. Of course, pulls it over the third base bag because he's Lukey doubles. That's what he does. Uh, so he brings in Mercado all the way from first to score. Uh, straws on with a fielder's choice. Ahmed Rosario walks. Jose Ramirez with a short ground out. It moves both runners up. Then Owen Miller comes up with two outs. Now, this is interesting here because Scoople strikes out Owen Miller twice. He strikes him out with changeups down below the knees. He gets him in the second inning, gets him in the sixth inning on 0-2 counts both times. But in the third inning on an 0-2 count, decides to throw him a knuckle curve. And this is the one he hits for a single. Now, it's in the same location. All three of these pitches are at below the knees, basically. He misses on the two changeups, the two 86-mile changeups. But for some reason, the slower knuckle curve at 78 miles per hour, he is able to rope that one into the gap for a two-RBI single. That's fascinating to me that a guy can't lay off that pitch three times, basically, in the game. Twice he strikes out on it, but one time he is able to deliver the big RBI hit. Unfortunately, that would be the last RBI hit for the Guardians on the day, they do put have a chance in the eighth inning. I'm in Rosario would single, but he would try to stretch it into a double. Now, I saw some people were hating on this decision by Ahmed Rosario, calling it a dumb baseball play. I actually kind of respect it, mostly because he doesn't hesitate. Out of the batter's box, he's thinking, 
I can get the second on this one. It's a bloop shot that frankly had no business being a base hit, but he's able to bloop it in behind Torkelson at first base. And look, with, with a better slide, with a slightly worse tag from Baez, who's apparently one of the best taggers in the game, uh, he's in there. He's safe. I, I think he has a good chance of getting there, and it puts him in scoring position for Jose Ramirez, who would later would single in the at-bat that would have driven him in. But unfortunately, everything works out perfectly. We talk about it all the time. All you have to do is run. They have to field it, throw it, field it, tag. And unfortunately, they do. They do it perfectly enough. It actually is a terrible throw from Torkelson. It bounces like three times on its way to Baez, but he's able to get the tag on him. So I didn't hate it as much as some people hated that play. And then Oscar Gonzalez in the next inning does hustle in for a double and does set them up with a chance to score. But Ernie Clement and Oscar Mercado get blown away by Soto. Clement strikes out. Mercado would eventually fly out. And Gonzalez gets stranded at second base. So they had their chances. They absolutely had their chances late in the game. They just could not deliver and uh, put ahead that go-ahead run. And the Tigers are able to do it. I thought the pitch to Scope that he doubles off of, frankly, wasn't that bad of a pitch. It was a 2-2 count. It was down and away um, to Scope. And he's just able to reach out and get it. It was a slider down and away. And he just reaches out and gets it up into the gap. It's right at the bottom corner of the strike zone. It's not a terrible pitch from Stefan. And then he goes up and tries to challenge Miguel Cabrera up. And he's able to shoot it up into center field for the walk-off hit. So it's another tough loss for Cleveland. Frankly, in the last few years, right, beating Detroit is one of the reasons that we've had such a good record the last few years, right? Beating up on Detroit usually helps us out, uh, stay above 500. It's, it's, It's a tough stretch right now. I really thought this stretch was where we could win a lot of games, and it's tough. You gotta give credit to Detroit. They played a good game. Scooble pitched a great game going seven innings against us. Their hitters came up big when they needed to come up big. I mean, Robbie Grossman leading things off. He's on base three times at the top of the order. Miguel Cabrera has three hits and two RBIs on the day. It was the top of the order that did all the damage against us. Um, And Scooble, a strong start. Seven innings pitch, five hits, three earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts on 102 pitches. But ready for this? He is hard to hit 11 times. That's pretty insane that he's able to survive 11 hard-hit balls and only give up those three runs, only give up those five hits. So, Scooble uh, doesn't get the win, but definitely put his team in position to win on this one. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. This head cold is killing me. I've had to make a ton of edits so that I could cough and clear my throat uh, in this podcast, and I got to wrap this thing up right here. That's all my thoughts on this one. We've got to be able to beat Detroit. We have to. If we want to be a competitive team this year, we have to be able to beat Detroit. All right. We got Bieber on the mound tonight. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.